Winter is coming. On the real, your boy is a hip-hop player But for this joint here, I play the role of King Slayer See, toe-to-toe, blow for blow, we can fight, G But word to Jamie, there are no other men like me This industry is in a roughed-up state Cats front so tough, you call the bluff, they fake And we all know it too, we just love to pretend Use my tongue as a sword, slice them with the pointy end And friends can turn to enemies in an odd link My click together firm like a master's chain link We got skills, and yes, we're so ill Our brotherhood was born Underneath the hollow hill, for real Shit so sad, it's almost funny Young niggas, little fingers, steady chasing after money Dummies, I do it for the love like Stark And sit alone with my honor in a dungeon in the dark In this game of thrones, it's eye for eye There is no middle ground, you either win or die You gotta watch the cats who watch your back You can get hit quick, play this game of thrones Alright guys, this is the time for the big dig And this week... Winter what we have planned for you, and there has there, there's a lot being said about that season finale <laughs> that happened a couple weeks ago. I realize we're coming into this game a little late, but you know what? It took me a couple weeks to recover from that Game of Thrones finale, and hopefully everyone's seen it by I, now. I, I, I was just telling Meacham how I was just sort of numb after I watched it. it, it it's taken me two weeks just to be able to talk about it. That's how big of a finale that Game of Thrones Season 5 finale was. So, guys, Game of Thrones. I'm, I know Meacham's a fan. Jeffrey? Of course. Fan? Of course. Of, 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 of course. Well, I was wearing my one of my Game of Thrones t-shirts yesterday. I'm not wearing that one today, but uh, I have been representing recently. Anyway, uh, guys, for the finale, let's talk about that first. Oh man, there was a lot going on. Yes, I mean we we uh, it, it it almost seemed like they were trying to pack as much as they possibly could into that episode just to like leave us fucked up and high and dry. Well, because usually, and usually without they, hope, they kind of the the last episode is kind of the wrap up storylines instead of you know creating new well, ones. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, uh, something like that. Usually so, uh, me too. Shitstorm. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, where, where did we start off on the episode, on the finale of the episode? What was the first scene in this episode? Um, I'm not too sure what the first scene was. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping you remember. No. You have a memory like <laughs> us. I remembered what happened, <laughs> but not exactly in what order. Uh, so we have the. Uh, well, let's go ahead and start off with the probably the weakest of this season storylines, and that was Jamie and Braun and Dorn, which had such tremendous potential for awesomeness. Uh, it had like you know all the makings of, of a buddy comedy, yeah. <laughs> but felt flat on its face. Managed to make the Sand Snakes kind of lame. Uh, definitely, the, what, we talk, we're going to talk about the season five ups and downs. The storyline of Dorn was definitely one of them, but in the finale, we have. Jamie taking Marcella back to King's Landing per Cersei's request and the uh Doran the the prince there is talking to Jamie and you you know wishing them well in the way of course the Tristane is going with them up to King's Landing to join the uh the small council and then you have what's her face kissing Marcella full on the lips yeah a whole lot saw of that coming 
and you you knew something was going on. Especially with that big talk that about moment. how it only takes skin contact. I'm like, oh, shit, she's kissing her. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so th- that was that. And, of course, you have this nice little moment where Marcel is like, oh, I know you're my dad. And then she just, like, starts convulsing yeah. and having a seizure and dies. It's kind of like the, the, the last touching moment with a daughter <laughs> turned out quite tragic. Err, uh, yeah. So that was definitely very different than what's in the book as well. In the book, I believe it, well, of course, the storyline in Dorne is much different in the book. There's no Jamie, there's no Braun, and there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in different characters. But Marcella ends up being, uh, injured. Didn't she get, like, her ear chopped off or something, Mejum? Uh, something like that. So, yeah, some, something <clears throat> like that where it maims her face a little bit. Just, just a wee bit. Just the tip. Hair can cover that and, up. Yeah, sure, right. Here, cover that up. But anyway, uh, Marcella is alive and fairly well in the novels, whereas we, we just said goodbye to our young Marcella. Uh, what do we think about what's going on with that storyline? What, is Jamie going to turn that ship around? I would. Some heads? What do you think? I would. Happen? I'd be like, Ron should be like, turn that shit around. They got a, they got an antidote. I, I honestly. Well, she's already dead, it. man. <laughs> I d- well, why did you hate it? Well, Major. I mean, it's weird. At the beginning of the, the season, it builds up like the death of Cersei's children because she has that flashback and they, yeah. they talk about the, th- you know, they, she asked the, the, the witch, you know, if she's going to have children with the king. That's right. That's right. And, about that. mm-hmm. and they say, you know, you will, you will have three children. Gold will be their crowns and gold will be their shrouds. So I, I, I knew it builds up their deaths and, you know, we see Joffrey is already dead and they just kind of like yeah. quickly just like, you know, push Marcella off stage. Just okay, you're done now. <laughs> you know, after her whininess, uh, when Jamie got there, like, I do want to go to King's Landing. I love him. I want to have his babies. <laughs> you like a Sonda Stark moment there. Um, uh, yeah, I was just like, I'm, I'm done with this girl. Like, I, like it's funny you bring up the, that prophecy from yeah, earlier in the season. With I was the witch. interested. And uh, yeah. so I... I guess Tommen is not going to be very long for well, this world either. If, if the oh, prophecy oh, could be interpreted as blonde is their crown, blonde is their shroud, means they're not going to live old enough for their hair to turn white. That could be one interpretation. Uh, that that Definitely, but it all seems to be happening very quickly and consecutively uh, as far as the age goes, because Marcel is the middle child and Tommen's the youngest. Yeah. And so uh, Ta- Tommen is, uh, I think, going to be going on the way out. Yeah, did, you all, did you all see that, that thing uh, a couple weeks ago from George R. R. Martin? Uh, he was saying that there was one character who's been doomed for the whole series, and he finally knows yes. how that person's going to be killed off. And... Uh, he said that in Hamburg, Germany, right? Yeah. No, I didn't see that. one that. of his appearance, and yeah, he's <laughs> very ominous, something... though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, yeah, well, there, maybe maybe we'll do uh, some theorizing here later on, I think but as far as what happens. Yeah, unanimously, what, what, Tommen, though, is who I believe it is. You think it is? Well, yeah, if, if, how, if, how we already have, if we already have that prophecy, then... You know, that, I mean, we know he's going to die, but we know a lot of people are going to die. <laughs> well, I mean, we know. Well, I mean, who else do we know that's going to die? Like, who hasn't uh, already died? Everybody's fair game. And, you know, when I first read that, I I was actually thinking Tyrion. I mean, well, I don't, that would be rough. I think that, like, I think Tyrion is that, maybe, like, doomed just by, like, like critique. But, but I think Tommen is legit, like, we know that he's going to die because the witch says that he's going to die. But I don't think anyone else has been, like, proclaimed that they're going to die. Well, So that's why that's why I think that it's Tommen. M- Martin seems kind of a uh, fuck-your-feelings kind of guy. 
Oh, um, yeah. Do you think he could go... I, I seriously doubt it, but it's just an interesting thought that popped in my head. Go full dark side and have have it be the White Walkers that are actually the good guys. <laughs> well, that's a lot of things that that's a lot of what's been on people's tongues in the last couple of weeks. Oh, really? <laughs> since the very last few minutes of that finale, I think a lot of people are just like, "Fuck it, let the the White Walkers overrun it. We're done." Uh, <laughs> which, if that were the case, you know, if that were the in fact ending of that storyline, because there are very about, few genuinely good guys. Um, that's true. And George Martin likes that shit. He's, he says that, you know, human beings are morally flawed and very much inhabit that gray area in between. And his character should do the same. And the only ones who have really embodied that, uh, have been Ned Stark. And of course, uh, the character who gets offed and yeah, often the final few minutes of that episode. Maybe. Anyway. Okay. So, um, the next part, next storyline we can probably go to is. I remember uh, uh, what the first scene was, by the way. <laughs> oh, what was it? Oh, you remember? Yeah, it, 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 it was, was Stannis. He we wakes up and oh, like half of his army oh, is left. We got to talk about that God, because in the previous episode, <laughs> uh, he has used his daughter Shireen, who he actually has some very touching, humanizing moments with in the preceding episodes, and he turns her into a human candle. That's what I was talking about. With the with the father daughter talk, yeah. Even and the even the, the talk from like a couple weeks ago, you know, when he's talking about grayscale, yeah. like yeah, that was, that was, was one about, of the best yeah. moments of the season up until that point. Up until he burns her to death. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, and so of course that's all brought about by Melisandra saying she needs the king blo- king's blood to perform this magic, and in order for the snows to met to melt and his army to go forth the Winterfell to conquer it and save the Starks, I suppose. Uh, but in fact, after he burns his daughter, he wakes up and finds that literally half the army has deserted him with almost every single horse has deserted. Sandra takes the last horse and gets the fuck out of there. And his uh, wife has committed suicide. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. And it, it's after they discover her body hanging from a tree that Melisandre is out of there. <laughs> so uh, what do you think of that that particular moment, guys? I didn't think she had a heart until, you know, the flames started to lick her daughter and then she started to freak out and actually show some yeah. some real emotion other than bitchiness. Oh, but it's so, I mean... It was difficult to watch, and it was probably more difficult to watch that scene than any scene in this series. And, of course, uh, the showrunners have been taking some heat because of that. But it's, I mean, that's our own history speaking at us, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, mean, how many witches and warlocks were burned at the stake, and how many parents thought that they were in the right for rooting Well, not just just witches and warlocks, but... uh Giordano Bruno or something like that. You know, a scientist. Scientist, right, yeah. right, right. He had the he had the gall to say that uh, other worlds have life. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. What an idiot. How dare he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, so she hightails it out of there. We'll find out where she goes in a minute. And then we have the next scene after that is uh John talking with Sam, and whereas in the book, John is like, oh, you need to go to Old Town and learn how to be a maester with Gilly and take the baby and whatnot. It's 
uh, Sam's suggestion, which I thought was actually a much cleverer way to go about it, to go learn how to be a maester and learn how to fight the White Walkers. Uh, what do you guys think about that well, one? Plus, it was a. Uh, I, I just had sex, and that was that was good. And um, I'd like to go do more of that. He, yeah, he, he could smuggle her back and bang her, whatever, right? Yeah, she's my uh, serving course, wrench. Yeah. It's probably uh, Old Town is on the uh, diametrically opposite side of the entire continent of Westeros. Oh, really? uh, so it's a little self-serving uh, because of, yes, the sexual aspect. But that's also the furthest away from the White Walkers as he could possibly get. Sam is smart. I think Sam was necessarily thinking <laughs> about that. But he was definitely thinking about some other things as well. Uh, of course, he you know, there's the whole story about him telling him what happened at hard home and whatnot. And, uh, the, that scene closes with Sam riding a wagon with Gilly and the baby out of castle black. Uh, and then we have the next cut to the scene was, wait, 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 Stannis wait, wait, hold on a and his army. Hold on a second. Do they, uh, do Sam and John actually tell other people, you know, about the dragon glass and the Valerian steel, or is it kind of like a? Uh, yeah, I, I, you, in the books they definitely do. Okay, so I was questioning. But of course, in the in in the book, there's no hard home battle and things like that. But in the books, uh, Sam has been researching in Castle Black's own ar- archives and comes across the whole dragon glass ah, steel thing. Okay. Anyway, so the next scene cuts to uh, Stannis leaving, uh, not leaving, marching on Winterfell, and they have this sort of. I don't say happy, but uh, you know they finally reached their goal, and <laughs> then all all of a sudden, coming up over the hill to see a huge ass army marching against these infantry. With that, because there aren't very many horses left, and Stannis himself is even on the ground and not riding a horse. With that perfect uh, line, I don't think there's going to be a siege, sir. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys? Do you guys uh, think yeah. that that uh, that Stannis' soldiers went to the Boltons? Say again. Ooh. Stannis' soldiers that when they deserted, deserted, they went to the Boltons. Oh, you know what? Interesting. It, as a plot device, it's unnecessary because if you're running, you know, you're going to have your scouts out watching what Stannis' army does anyway. So I don't think it's necessary. But on the other hand, they were sell swords, sell swords, and they so, and they took yeah, all the horses. So I could see the sell swords going over that way. It was cold as and fuck yeah. too. Like, uh, yes, I'm pretty sure I would be looking for some soup or something. And now, uh, give me some soup. I'm I'll sure Winterfell's got a nice, uh, nice recipe. <laughs> some, some good, a nice little soup kitchen. Now, my wife uh, thinks yes, Stannis is still might still be alive. Well, hey, we're talking about that in a minute. Okay, sorry. Oh my god, jump the gun! <laughs> why don't you? Uh, so the next part is where Sansa sees the opportunity while Ramsay's out fighting on the battlefield to pick her way out of her locked cage room and go light that candle that she heard could be in the uh, broken tower and hopefully somebody will see it and come save her or whatever. And as the story goes, Brienne is sitting there watching it when Pod comes up to her and he's like, hey, Stannis' army is here. And then Brienne sort of, you know, longingly watching this tower, nothing happening. And she's like, well, shit, I better go see what's going on with that. And of course, a few minutes later is when Santa lights the candle or whatever, and they miss each other. But of course, what's going to be happening next was sort of wouldn't have mattered anyway, because when Santa's coming down, she's met by Miranda, Ramsey's hoe and Theon, AKA Reek. And Miranda is sitting there pointing this bone arrow, this arrow at her and saying that all, 
Ramsey really needs from her is her uterus yeah. and her life support system for a baby, for a couple babies. And uh, then she'd be on her way and dead and whatnot. And uh, Sansa has a nice line, which I've been waiting for a while. I was like, you know, I'd rather die now, at least where I have some semblance of myself left than to go that route, what you're suggesting. Uh, and then uh, Reek slash Theon has this Darth Vader <laughs> moment where he's choosing between the Emperor and Sansa, and he ends up throwing... You know, it's just like it. Yeah. He's, like, looking back and forth, like Vader's looking back and forth, and then Theon's like, fuck this bitch, and throws her <laughs> over the side. Uh, and then, you know, the army's coming back in the gates, and he's like, oh, fuck, what are we gonna get? What are we gonna do now? And so the very last little glimpse we get of Theon and Sansa was them jumping over the uh, high walls of Winterfell. What'd you guys think about that part? Well, the <clears throat> taking it back to the beginning of the scene where, um, you know, she breaks out and she goes to put to light the candle and Brienne just like barely misses it. I couldn't stand that. They actually did that. Yeah. Like that yeah, was that. just so cheesy. Like I, I just, oh, I just but they, planted, like they planted the seeds for it a few episodes ago when she picked up whatever the hell she did. When she was talking to Ramsey, yeah, and I mean, so you and, knew it was going to happen, right? I think it was a I just hate that. Honestly, I I thought she was going to pick her way out and go hide in the crypts. I mean, but that obviously that didn't happen. I mean, it's already been done in the show, so why do it again? But it seems like a logical place to go. But anyway, uh, so you didn't you didn't care for that, really? I I, I was I could either take it or leave it. It seemed a little okay quinky dink. Yeah, yeah. Well. It would have been if she had actually seen it and been saved, but since it didn't happen, I guess I'm a little more okay with it. Like I, I, I would have much rather had like had Brienne actually see the candle being lit and having Podrick tell her that at the same time, and then her choosing to go kill Stannis. That's a good idea. Yeah. Ooh, I like. like that. I, I think Ooh. that would have been even better. Well, she, she would have been torn between her vows then. Exactly. At that point. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, anyway, the, so do we think Sansa and Theon are dead, or do you think they just like fell into a really large snowbank? They, yeah, they seemed to, to go to a very specific spot on the wall, and you know, Theon's been living there since what he was like six or seven, so like nine or something. He, like that, yeah. So he probably knows where the biggest snowbanks build up. Yeah, and I, I, I get the feeling that maybe they've done that. Somebody's in the family's done that before. Yeah, right, I agree. It, that could very well, but yeah, I definitely don't think that they're dead. Because, no, uh, there, there's too much in that storyline to play out. But I thought it was an interesting cliffhanger to leave everybody where they're at. Okay, uh, so the next one is where, uh, oh my, we have Mar- the Marin Trant scene and and Arya, where he's sitting in the brothel, <laughs> uh, torturing very young women, uh, probably what. 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, pretty horrible uh, which shit. Apparently is his thing. And uh, there's been a lot of controversy regarding that. What do you guys think about the controversy? It's accurate to history. Get over it. Yeah, uh, it's it, stupid. It certainly Fuck the controversy. is. <laughs> Uh, I, you know what? When it comes to Game of Thrones, I am largely of that mind to say fuck, fuck the controversy. Uh, some of it was a little needless, but then again, it's like, eh. You know, it. he is already a villain, but a lot of people may not remember Marin Trant from the first season. So either way, it's like it's building up in people's minds a way to empathize with why Arya is doing what she's doing. Besides the fact that he killed Forio. I mean, that and much, anyway. much worse shit happened in history. And a lot of people would do them good to realize that nasty shit happens. 
Oh yeah, well Arya doesn't gets the gives him the comeuppance. Oh, that was when fucking he starts awesome. turning him into a, a uh, human. Well, first she stabs his eyes yes. and then starts like just wailing on his chest, human put pin cushion style. Uh, and then finally, it's like, I'm Arya Stark, motherfucker, and slashes his throat. My wife was like cringing, calf covering her eyes. Oh no, it was I'm, it was very violent. I was but... totally fine with it. You know, he, yeah, yeah, he earned it. It was a great, uh, great execution. <laughs> you know, it, it all was. all the other like Stark executions we've seen, like you know Ned and John and uh, and even Rob. And even Theon, like Theon pretty much grew up a Stark and he had like a failed execution when he took over Winterfell. They all did it, you know, you know, with their yeah. sword just beheading them yeah. and then seeing Arya. It was crazy. She, she went ham. Go yeah, to town. Sure. <laughs> that was artistic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she goes back to the Temple of the Undying. And, or she saw the House of the Undying. I keep calling it a temple. I guess it is a temple, but the House of the Undying. I don't think it's the House it, of the Undying either. <laughs> Say what? It is not the house. Of, <laughs> oh. The house of black and white. Motherfuck. <laughs> Shit ass. Okay. Uh, that's the beautiful part. Jeff can edit that part out. Nah. All right. So she goes back to the house of black and white, and like Jake and Agar and the Waif are just like sitting there waiting for her as she returns the mask that she's used. And you're like, oh, where you been? You you killed somebody you shouldn't have. You taken from the faceless god and. Only death can pay, pay for life. And then he drinks a poison, falls over, the waif's behind her. And then, oh, wait, the waif's not behind her. It's Jake and Agar again. And she looks back at the body and starts taking off various masks until she finally gets to the, herself. And then she goes blind. What do you guys think about that scene? That was one of the most esoteric of that episode. I'm just really curious who Jack and Hagar is now. I don't think there. Do you, I don't you, think there is a Jack and Hagar. We we talked about it on the. I don't know if it was the last podcast or the first one we did. I think it was the last one we did. I think it was the first one, or wasn't? Uh, maybe I think it was. it was the last one. Okay. Um, I think it's just some. Maybe it, maybe it truly is the kindly man, just like a just like a bare skeleton that are just wearing all of these different faces. Maybe it yeah. is the. Maybe he is the faceless god. That's what I was I thinking. Think, Ooh. Yeah, I don't That's think that there's like a. I don't think there's just like one Jack and Hagar. Just using the the face that she knows to motivate her. Yeah, that could very well be. I was surprised uh, how thin but, the flesh masks were as she was taking layer after layer after layer after layer off. Well, that's the beauty of CGI. Yeah, but I should say the let's it know it's much more CGI. magic than just cutting people's faces off and putting them on. Yeah, yeah. it's true. <clears throat> so, what do you what do you think the significance of her own face as the last face she gets on? Um, that she has to kill her own identity to become one of them. You know, same old shit Ooh, they've been telling her. Yeah, okay. Meacham, are you of the same mind? Um, yeah. And it, maybe okay. if, maybe it's supposed to be an aid to her. I don't know. Like, not and, being able but to... But it's, it's almost immediately that she goes blind. Yeah. Of course, this is different from the book as well. In the book, every night she drinks, like, this concoction that, I guess, like, you know, milk to help her sleep or whatever. Right. And she doesn't connect two and two to think that she's going blind and where dance with dragons ends. I think it's dance with dragon. ends. I said, she's starting to regain her sight after she stops drinking it. And that's when she goes and finds needle. Is it, is that at the end of dance with dragons in the book? Yes. All right. So that, you know, that's coming up pretty quickly in season six, as far as what that, 
is going to entail. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, if Arya's blind, they just keep fucking over the Starks. Yeah, there are a lot of pissed off people about this this episode and this season in that regard. But no, Arya's blindness is definitely not permanent. And it, Good. I think the long game here is, what do you guys think? Do you think Arya is going to be staying at the House of Black and White and becoming one of the faceless men, or do you think she's going to leave there and head back to Westeros eventually? I think both are possibilities. Like, she's, she takes what she learns and goes back and fucks shit up. I think that's what's going to happen. I don't think that she has a chance. I think that she, uh, her list is what, like, what motivates her. Yeah. And that is that list is purely Arya Stark. Well, that has nothing to do with the faceless god. It's like all she has left. Man. Exactly. All she has left to kill is like what? Cersei? That's it. That's um, a hard target though. Sir Ellen Payne. Oh, Ellen oh. Payne, but they, she hasn't even really said that much in the in the show, but yeah, I can see what you mean there. So like would she go back to King's Landing to kill Ellen Payne and Cersei? I don't know, man. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no, well, I definitely I know. definitely do not think she's going to stay there now. Well, she's definitely Especially not going to kill Cersei. Yeah, it definitely well, I think she's honestly like most of these people end up dead before she gets to him. I think Cersei is not long for this world either. Uh, no, anyway, I think where the where the Dance with Dragons ends with her picking up Needle again, I think is significant and showing where her character is going. So what you she's guys rejecting? Speaking of Cersei, the house. What do you think of the yeah. the the Walk of Shame? Dude, we're, we'll get to it, man. Okay, sorry. Uh, the next part is <laughs> me. I'm going in order now. I've, I've looked it up online, damn it. <sighs> All right. <laughs> the, the next the next scene, of course, the next scene was actually the uh, where we started, so we'll just skip over that part with uh, the Dorn storyline. But the next one picks up in Marine, where Tyrion and Jorah and Dario and Missande and Grey Worm are all just, like, hanging out in the throne room wondering what the fuck to do and they all like they all have their sad faces on and they're all dejected and wondering what the hell to do next uh and what would you guys think about the whole inter- you know they they basically just come up with a plan on the spot yeah it wasn't very i mean i mean it was cool Tyrion. i, I like that Tyrion was speaking valyrian <laughs> oh yeah that was like, cool like nice yeah that was cool crisp valyrian and in the book it's Barrison Selmy has been left in charge and sort of issuing the orders, but I actually like the fact that they're doing the Tyrion thing. I mean, Tyrion hasn't made his way to Marine yet in the books. This is much better. It's much improvement on what's going on in the book and how they're, they're just like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll run, we'll administrate the city. Dario, Jorah, who's got the grayscale. So you wonder how that's going to play out are going to go looking for Daenerys. Uh, somewhere and wonder how the hell they're going to find that trail. I guess you need to find some fire and burn skeletons is what they're going to look for. Just, and just walk in the, course, walk in the next the circle asking everybody, hey, do you see a dragon? And then just keep following. Yeah, we see a dragon right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw a dragon flying over the other day. Heading to the no. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably what, what it would entail. <laughs> Dragons are kind of hard to miss. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as far as that goes, then you have the uh, Daenerys and Drogon sitting on one of those burned, charred piles of bones. And she's like, all right, come on, let's get back. And, of course, Drogon, he's he's tired as fuck, man. He, he don't want none of that. Uh, he wants to sit there and chill and heal from the wounds he got like, from the I got the, shanked uh, like four fight. or five times, motherfucker. Leave me alone. Yeah, you got shanked, man. Give, give him a fucking break, dude. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about that? This, is, I mean, I'm not going to recap every single episode of this season, but in episode nine, she just sort of left her friends high and dry 
to fly off on yeah. Rogan, which is pretty much the same thing that happens in the book. So, what do you guys think about that scene? Uh, I mean, it was cool. Uh, I mean, I it's pretty much what I expected. Um, You're right, right. I think it was a kind Jeffrey, of Jeffrey, kind of remove you? the stimuli for remove the reason for attacking. Maybe they'll, you know, all right, fuck it, she's gone. It's not worth, you know, possibly getting killed or injured. Yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, well, how would she just leave her friends like that? Because, like, they only want to kill her. Yeah, she was the, the main motivation, she, so. And, and you know, frankly, they don't know what the capabilities of the dragon are going to be either. I mean, she can just go around and burn shit down, you know? Yeah. So, I think, no, uh, like, I, I didn't have as much of a problem with it as other people have had. With no, I think the, the, the best part about that that scene, though, uh, the fight pits, is when the yeah. harpy, like, you know, stabs his dar, Zalorak. So, you know that, you know that he's not <laughs> oh. the harpy. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, like, in the books, it's very much set up like he's the dude. And, of course, in the books, they're already married as well, which they haven't gotten to. They didn't do it before he was killed in the show. So I actually kind of liked that a little bit better. He was too. kind of a dick. Now, that whole scene actually played out really well. I liked how Tyrion saved Missande. Uh, and, of course, Jorah is the one who catch, catches the assassin while he's down in the fighting pits with that spear. That was all pretty cool. Yeah, it was badass. No, it all played out pretty well. And, you know, I knew the part was coming with the, Danny and the Dothraki, but I did have one sort of technical beef with what's going on with there. If you've ever been around several horses at once, the ground shakes a little bit, right? If you ever yeah. have, like, a horse race, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can definitely feel it. And then here we have like 50,000 fucking Dothraki coming into a canyon, which is going to even further acoustically enhance the sound of the horses. And she's caught surprised by this Dothraki horde. Yeah, in histories, I mean, they always talk about the the thunder and the, the vibration and the, and the dust. Oh, yeah. She would have been like, yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, I better go up next to my dragon so these assholes don't catch me. So like that part was very contrived. And it plays out a little bit differently in the book. Of course, the the end result is basically the same, where she's surrounded by the uh, Dothraki. But there's definitely something else going on. And uh, what do you think about her reconnecting with the whole Dothraki thing anyway? Uh, I mean, you see her drop her ring, and if I'm, I'm sure they at least heard of you know Cal Drago's Kalasar and you know that she was the Khaleesi for his Kalasar. And <clears throat> I think I'd read something. Uh, if you, if your, uh, if your cow dies, you're supposed to go live in Vizdothrak and, like, do a certain thing, like, for the rest of your life. Um, so, maybe if they know of her, then they could be upset that she's not doing her role. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, the very next scene we get to, ladies and gentlemen, is what Jeff sort of spoiled for us a few minutes ago, or shame. several minutes ago, was shame. the Cersei walk of shame. Of course, that scene is set up by Cersei in her cell talking to this High Sparrow, who seems like such a cool, nice guy, yeah. and has a sort of strange resemblance to the current Pope, even. <laughs> you, guys, you ever seen those those uh, side-by-side no, comparisons no, between the, pope, the current Pope and the High no, Sparrow? Yeah, the actor who plays the uh, High Sparrow is remarkably alike to... Uh, Pope Francis. Anyway, uh, and of course she's like, yeah, I di- I'm a bad person. I slept with my cousin. I'm an adulteress. And I admit to that. And the high spirit was like, cool. All right. Well, we'll consider that when you have your trial. She's like, wait, what trial? And it's like, yeah, you still have to have a trial for all the other shit you do, <laughs> which 
you know, that's true. She's kind of a shithead and deserves some justice or whatever. Uh, maybe not in the face of the gods and the high sparrow, but whatever. And then she is stripped down, bare naked, and you have this septa going, shame, and ring, you know, shame, shame, as she's walking naked to the street. Now, I was going to compliment some for keeping it high and tight, but apparently you told me that uh, it was a body double. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, sort of disappoint you. Some of the, the listeners might be sad to hear that it was not Lena Hetty's real body that you were looking at. That was a body double. And all the other scenes where you see her, she's probably wearing a tube top or something. I mean, come on. You got to give her a break. She's had a few children. She's what, over. She's like 45 now. So she's a little older, but she still looks pretty good for. I mean, she's not pretty good for her age. She looks remarkable yeah. no matter what. But. Uh, yeah, apparently we, we want young flesh to ogle or something. Uh, then of course you have that guy who just sort of like jumps out in the middle and flashes his, his wang to everybody. Uh, I remember like seeing some of the casting calls for that particular individual. We need man to expose himself on Game of yeah, Thrones. Just, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I totally would have volunteered for that. All they have to do is like go to the, the local police and look through the police reports and flashers. And- <laughs> Oh yeah, we can get this guy for free. All we have to do is pay his bail. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm glad it wasn't Lena Headey's real body because you know after we see, uh, you know, we see Marjorie Terrell and you know Ramsey's girl Miranda, who's fine as hell. We don't need to see yeah. Lena Headey's old ass. <laughs> oh, 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 oh my god! Oh my god! Well, uh, the one thing like my wife was watching it with me the, when it came on, she's like, I think Lena Headey's boobs are asymmetrical. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Like, I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. But apparently it's not Lena Headey's boobs are asymmetrical. It's this body double actresses whose boobs are asymmetrical. I was thinking, those boobs are boobs. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what I was thinking. Like, boobs. Like, every other uh, heterosexual male in the world is like, oh, yeah, boobs. No, that's not true. I I definitely could tell you that there are some malformed ones out there. uh, Lends a little personality. Oh, it Say lends what? a little personality. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I once broke up with a girl because she had asymmetrical <laughs> boobs. That's a true story. It must have been pretty bad. Do you think it's, um, do you think, do you think it's from yeah. Jamie? Because we know Jamie likes to you know, play it rough. You know? <laughs> oh, oh. He was throttling a little too hard, maybe. That's very possible. Uh, We'll, we'll, bl- we'll blame that. Okay, so by the time she gets back to the Red Keep, she's greeted by Kyburn and... This huge Kingsguard who's taken an oath of silence until all of Cersei's enemies have been vanquished. And he's a little malcolored around the eyes. So what do we think about who this huge individual could be? Mountain. Uh, I think that's definitely, um, there's no theorizing necessary. And his vow of silence uh, is because he would just go. The mountain. Yeah. Yeah, that's he's got the zombie thing or Scooby Doo creeper. Which the mountain sounded creeper. like before, anyway. <laughs> K- kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did no, I smash the head I, like this? The... <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, good one. Anyway, so she, the the mountain gathers her up and takes her in, and she's got this look of. Uh, uh, vengeance or something upon her face like fools you, know, you may have got me the best of me the last few days but i'm gonna get you motherfuckers so I, I definitely think the time in king's landing is what we're gonna be looking at in the next season i would say is there's probably gonna be a bloodbath i think 
the religious turmoil is going to start boiling over and some people are, there's going to be some urban warfare and some massive shit going on. And Tommen wants to get laid again too. So you have to consider <laughs> that. And maybe, maybe that will be the instrument of Tommen's death. Getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, trying to get, trying to get his woman back to get laid. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm surprised he needs All to right. grow up there and, you know, go get his woman. Well, in the books, he is significantly younger, so we can see uh, why he, that wouldn't happen. I mean, he's still, like, chasing around his kitty cats and whatnot in the book, uh, right? His uncle shows back up, right? Wait. Kevin Lannister's back? Cap- oh, yeah, Kevin Lannister. So, yeah, he's on his way. I think even in the in the show, he's on his way back, which might help something. I think Kevin Lannister's going to bust some fucking Well, house. and the old, the old lady fucking Tyrell, hell. too. Like, oh, wait, I'm looking on the, something online right now. It says Kevin Lannister's already there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I think that's what okay. uh, what Kyburn tells. So Kevin Lannister and Kyburn in the, in the cells. Well, what's the grandmother yeah. Tyrell? Okay, that's right. What's that's her right. name? Elena. Elena. I think Olena. she's gonna bust some yeah. heads. Uh, I think something like that's gonna be coming too. Definitely. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and do the final scene of this episode. Then is when Melisandre is conveniently galloping into Castle Black as Davos. And John are having a conversation about sending some troops to help Stannis. She gets off. They ask what happened. Mill Saunders sort of like shakes her head and she's sort of questioning her own existence at that point and goes away. And then the scene cuts to John sitting there on his desk, uh, looking pensively out at the darkness. And then Ollie comes in and says, Oh, look, we found Benjen or some guy who knows Benjen, your uncle. And I remember before this episode aired, you're like, Oh my God, Benjen's coming back. Benjen's coming back. (laughs) Dude, I cannot tell you how fucking upset I was. I was was so invested. Probably pitching a shit right now. I mean, uh, it was, I enjoyed it because they really fucked with me by showing that, you know, previously on game of Thrones, having Benjen, and then like setting up the stabbing by, by you know using Benjen, but gosh, I, I really got got. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know like Meacham was uh, texting me beforehand saying, "Oh my God, Benjen's in this episode. He's in the finale. <laughs> Benjen's coming back." And then I don't think we've spoken a whole lot since then. But uh, I know you're probably heartbroken yeah. broken after the uh, finale there because that was the pretense they lured. Jon Snow out into the yard to do the prison shanking. Like, always grab your sword. The uh, Julius Caesar Etu Ali scene. Uh, the first guy that runs him through, of course, is Thorn for the watch. And then you have several other guys stabbing him. And then Ali comes back up and Etu Ali, he stabs him as well. For the watch. And the close of the episode is Jon Snow bleeding out. Dead. And I'm closing in, dun, dun, dun. closing in, closing in, trying to trick you into thinking something's going to happen. <laughs> the, we'll, we'll get back to Jon Snow here in a few, but let's go ahead and talk about uh, the, the ups and downs of season five. Uh, do, you, do you have anything in particular you want to say that you enjoyed? Or right, let's go, we'll start with the, the negatives first. What parts did you not per- like at all or not like very much about season five? Meet go. Well, since we're talking about season, episode 10, I think one of the, the freshest things that's on my mind is how disappointing the Battle of Winterfell was. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure Stannis book, felt the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, true. I mean, in the book, at the end of book five, like, they're marching to Winterfell. 
And so, like, yeah. we're, we're led to believe, you know, this is going to be pretty epic. You know, I'm looking forward to reading the Battle of Winterfell. And for them to... Which we don't have in the right. books yet. And for them Do you to, think that's going to play out as anticlimatically in the book? Man, I, I mean, I guess it might now. <laughs> but I didn't, yeah, I didn't I, think I, that well, it was going to be... But yeah, that, that was definitely a, a huge disappointment for me. Oh, wait, yeah, we... And then we have the port... We didn't come back and talk about it, but where... Uh, there are those out there who theorize that Brienne did not actually kill uh, my Stannis, wife. and he still might come back. What do you What do you think, Meacham? Is Stannis the Manus no longer the Manus? Is he dead? Um, I read someone thinking that uh, saying like Jon Snow is the nine hundred ninety eighth Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, and someone was saying that Stannis yeah. would be the greatest Lord Commander of all time. <laughs> so uh, that would be cool, you know, for him <laughs> to to be sent to the Wall and be. To take the black. Exactly. The other thing my wife but was that that would be interesting. The other thing my wife was worried about is that would be that you, you just heard a sword noise, didn't hear anything else, and they were like not showing yeah, what was behind. Apparently, her. the director is known for cutting away before he does shit like that. Uh, I personally think Stannis is no longer part of any equation whatsoever. I think he's dead. He's gone. Brienne killed him. Probably. I think that was a fulfillment of one of her vows. She had to do that to advance her storyline. Uh, I think that yeah, it was it was necessary for her. But it is Game Which of Thrones. You never fucking know. This means the winner of the, uh, the War of the Five Kings is Balin Greyjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, he's he's one of the last ones standing. Although we uh, we know he's about ready to uh, give up the ghost as well. Which is something that's happened already in the Filch. books, and they've completely ignored. Wait, so no, not Filch. So not Filch. far, that's the different guy. And. Didn't it? Yeah, they're so far as the too? Iron Ireland storyline. The guy that plays Phil and Walter Frey. Oh, no, no. He's, oh, he's one of the ones on our list, in, right? Uh, the one, he's one of the ones on Arya's list that's still alive, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, Walter Frey? Yeah, yeah. You know, you come come to think of it, you're probably right. And I'm pretty sure the actor is still with us. D- David Bradley is that actor's name. And uh, no, he's still on the uh, Guillermo del Toro produced. And co-written the Strain series on was it FX, which is actually a pretty decent series by the way. If you haven't checked it out, uh, and he's yeah, he's he's pretty good in that one. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, any other downs for the seasons, Jeffrey? Um, basically, stuff they they kind of had to like the burning scene was was rough, but it's gotta you gotta do what rough. you gotta do. It's historically accurate. I mean, they could have gone. Much worse. They could have actually shown it instead of just having you hear it. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Yeah, you're right. And uh, I think, okay, for my down, I think by and large, the source material, Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons, aren't the best books in the series by any stretch of the imagination. Most of what they have done in the show is vastly improved upon the source material, right down to the, my point with this. And this uh, Sansa's... Sansa's rape scene has been the big controversy that's come out of this season. Uh, like the, there was a rape scene in the last season where Jamie rapes Cersei, whatever, yeah. uh, which is all, you know, it's a terrible incident. I didn't think the Jamie one, Cersei scene was, was necessarily, you know, it wasn't like Sansa level rape. It was. <laughs> No, you're you're right, but I'm saying last year about this time that was the it controversy. It was like stop, stop. And this year there was, a, there was such an uproar over Sansa's rape. Not the fact that she was raped necessarily, because you knew it was going to happen. Well, because it, that's the difference between the book and 
the show. It's a different character in the book who's been basically dressed up like Arya, who's married. Oh, yeah, you told me that. But I actually like the fact that they transitioned this over to Sansa's storyline because Sansa's still like fucking in the airy, airy, doing La La Land bullshit. This is way better for her character. It's a much stronger angle for her character. And I love, actually really like the interaction, how she's sort of doing the Luke Skywalker redemption of Darth Vader thing with Theon and trying, you know, bring him back to the light side of the force. Uh, which he eventually accomplishes. Well, but, been a, uh, the rape scene is Sansa has been a punching bag, very disturbing punching bag for what four seasons. Yeah. Now? Yeah, basically. Right, right, right. And yeah, the rape scene was, I don't know how else they would have done it. And I, I, I'm not going to say I don't understand the controversy regarding it. I do. I don't understand why there has been the level of controversy about it. You know, it's a bad thing. It's, you know, television is supposed to be entertaining us. Why do we have to watch this shit? It's like, well, because that's the kind of shit that happens in real life. And you can show people getting killed. This is not a real life show, but this is the kind of shit that, that does and has happened in the past. And I don't think it was handled that poorly on the choice of the direction. I mean, having Theon sitting there, you know, being made to watch this happen. Uh, like that and focusing on his, you know, reaction that was to rough. it, it kind of lessened the horror of what Sansa was going through, but not, you know, it was, it was bad. It was rough to watch, but I, I'm, I defend the story's choice at that point. Like you knew what was going to happen. And plus happen. they show people getting, and, you know, Ramsey's already <laughs> fucking nuts anyway, but what's so they show people getting killed like left and right in horrible, horrible ways. But you know, show a show a rape, and oh my god, too far. All right, so let's go ahead and go. Let's go ahead and go to the uh, the highlights of season five. Me, chum. Uh, I guess it has to be. Are we all going? Are we all three going to go for the obvious? I mean, the sure. Night's King. The what? Okay. Uh, I think we can all agree that that episode eight was the high point. The the episode entitled "Hard yeah. Home," uh, in which we have the final interaction. Finally, we have the interaction between Tyrion and Daenerys, and then of course we have the last the battle, the Hard awesome Home between battle. the wildlings and the White Walkers and the Whites. And oh man, Bermich and my our last cast from Culturally Rock, we talked about this and. I, here we are, like, what, three, four weeks later? That episode is still my favorite episode of the series. I've watched it probably 15 times now. <laughs> damn. I was. It was such a damn good episode. The dialogue was perfect. The action was perfect. It was frightening. It did so much for the characters. I love that episode. So, like, we're all agreeing that's, like, definitely the best episode of this season. Yes. If not the entire series, yeah, definitely for the season. Definitely for this right. season, and so I can't wait. So the, the last little takeaway, I can't wait for the first uh, giant with the blue eyes. <laughs> oh, a giant yeah. white! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Frightening. Okay, so oh. do you guys get the the overall feeling, especially as how that finale played out, that this act season five? was the Empire Strikes Back of the series <laughs> where everything seems down and hopeless and we're all... Because, like, I was seriously, like, I don't want to say depressed about it, but like I said, I was numb. I, I didn't really know what to think. I mean, I think I have my own theories about Jon Snow and I'm going to talk about him here in a second, but, like, even, like, after that, I was just so numb, numb and hopeless. Like, man, Arya's fucked. Jon's done dead. 
Sansa's done, you know, she might be dead. Stannis is definitely dead. Like, anybody who was worth a damn and you had any hope for is all, they've all been fucked over. Daenerys is in peril. And maimed. And Daenerys is in peril. Daenerys, yeah, Daenerys is imperiled uh, and all of that. I mean, honestly, so, even uh, Jamie. What do you like, think? Jamie is on a ship, right? For King's Landing. But yeah. who's. It's a Dornish right. ship, though, right? Full of I'm Dornishmen. Sure. W- yeah, it would have to be. And there's it a theory that Tristane is actually Quentin. Have you heard this theory? No. Yes? Oh, no, I have not. Well. I think it's, it could be possible that a ship is not going for King's Landing, but maybe it's going to Marine, and Tristan is actually Quentin. Oh, uh, well, that's an interesting. Theory, I don't. I don't know but, too much, uh, but I don't buy it. I don't. I don't buy that one at all, especially since they veered too much from that Dorn storyline. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So, do do we think that we have a lot more coming back? Because George Martin has said that he's going to all these cliffhangers he left. In Dance of Dragons, he's actually going to resolve fairly quickly in Winds of Winter. Hmm. And so I think in season six, we're going to get a lot of answers pretty quickly. And I think we're going to have a lot more reasons. I think season six will probably be one, like this season has been dark, but I think season six will probably be darker, but also have more hope than we've had probably since the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Like, maybe halfway point starts uh, to turn the corner. Well, yeah, I'm not even thinking halfway. I think what's coming of that, I guess that's the next transition point anyway, so it's a good segue, is what are you guys' expectations for season six? Um, <clears throat> John is somehow still, well, that's probably season seven. Um, I, no, yeah, no, no. All right, we'll, we'll save the John okay. thing for last. But what else do you think about seven, six, uh, seven, six? What do you, do you think about season six? I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. Mayjum? I'm thinking that You don't even huh? have you don't even have to theorize. What do you what do you expect? Well, I'm expecting Bran to be yes. back. Alright, Bran's involvement back. I think yeah, that I that's think I think the first scene of season six is gonna be showing uh Jon Snow's death again or hit the stabbing, but it's gonna yeah. be from the eyes of a crow. And it's gonna be Bran. Ooh. Yeah. Uh see, I'm of the mind that uh I agree. I think the first scene of season six will be of Jon Snow, but not of his necessarily his body, but rather where his body was lying and that he his body has gone missing. And we're not going to know what's going on for made a little snow angel and then got out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, obviously, the 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 conspirators know that Jon Snow is dead because who the fuck would, you know, um survive that but i also what we think we're going to see is there's no, there's going to be no trace of melisandre there's going to be no trace of of davos as well and davos is definitely going to be following this storyline out a little bit of course it's different what's in the book but i think he's going to be a companion to what's happening do you think that. davos will eventually then, kill melisandre i don't think davos is going to be the one who kills melisandre we'll talk about that in a second as well who i who i actually think is going to happen with that but as far as like what my expectations are going to go i think i've already touched upon it i think Arya is being set up to return to westeros we don't you know i don't know in what capacity i don't know what's going to go on but i definitely think she's going to be leaving on a boat you know on the way out and i'm not sure what the context of that's going to be uh as for sansa and theon uh 
I don't know what's going to be going on another, with that. I could see a return to the Iron Another Isles. buddy comedy. I think that's probably the likeliest. Another so buddy comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. But I see Sansa and Theon going back to the Iron Isles. Uh, and that's why you've, you've heard some rumors about they've trying, they're trying to cast several, uh, Iron Isles figures like Euron Greyjoy and, uh, some of the Aaron Greyjoys, I guess, out there to be casted as well. So we're going to get some of that Feast for Crows storyline that we haven't actually gotten. Uh, I don't think they're going to do a whole lot with that. I don't expect the big King's Moot thing, whatever the hell they did with choosing a king and uh, Asha and all that stuff, but they're definitely going to do part of that, and I think that's probably the most likely destination for them, so that's one of my expectations. Uh, I think we're, we definitely are going to see Bran next season, and you know, if we see Bran, who else do we get to see? Uh, fairies? <laughs> hold on. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Come on. Am I am I not the only one who's missed Hodor? Hodor. Yeah, I've never been a big Hodor fan. Oh, I was a big fan when he Say when what? he got is, warged and he's breaking you know, fucking his, necks. I mean, that was cool, but that was mostly just brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, you know, Hodor is not even his name. Apparently, in the in the first Hodor? book, no, it's, it's not. Uh, it's just the only thing they can say is Hodor. So they just started calling him Hodor. Yeah. No, it, it works. It fits. <laughs> uh, so as far as my other expectations, I think I already said what's going to be happening in King's Landing. Uh, I think the Sam and Gilly storyline is going to be playing out pretty closely to what it is in the books. Uh, maybe with a little less intrigue. And of course, with Daenerys, I, I told you, I, I figure she's going to free herself, extricate herself from that situation. And I also think she's going to bring the Dothraki over to yeah, her side. Yeah, me too. And with this horde of Dothraki and dragons and her own, you know, her own, uh, unsullied and other armies. Well, they follow strength and. Dragons are symbol of strength. That that they are. So I I, I let I don't not sure that's going to happen next season. But I think Daenerys returning to Westeros is going to be one of the focal points of next season. Like and then of course Daenerys in Westeros is going to be season seven, the final season. That's that's my yeah. guess. As far as John goes, I've also heard people, okay. you know, because his last word was ghost. That maybe his soul yeah, in borgs into. Well, that's, that's where we're that's where we're going okay. with this, guys. So, what do you think, John? John Snow. That's the the big talking point here. Is he or isn't he? Beecham, go. He is dead. <gasps> but what is dead may never die. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey man, that's that's the wrong guy. Oh, and he's released from his vow. <laughs> that's right. I mean, yeah, if he's that's the big I mean, thing. Yeah, if he dies, then he's going to release of all vows so he can yeah. you know, pursue a, th- uh, a claim. He's like, good and luck, I assholes. Right. I think it's kind of <laughs> obvious that he's going to be brought back to life by Melisandre. He yeah. may have, may have right. worked into, uh, you know, into his Ghost. wolf. And he may have some kind of vision. Um, but he's definitely yeah. returning. Yeah. I think. All right, Jeff, do you have any uh, any take on this theory business? Um, I think it's a good idea. Whether they do it or not, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, uh, you guys realize that in the days coming after this finale, uh, you have Kit Harrington saying that his character is definitely. What else is he supposed to say? Back for season six. You had Weiss and Benioff, the showrunners, saying how dead is dead. And if you, uh, Meacham, I'm going to ask you because you might have actually. Did you read the uh, Entertainment Weekly article? With Benioff and Weiss, where they said this stuff, I think I like glanced over it, um, but it's been okay. like a week or two now. They're, like that's the thing; they're so flippant in their dismissal that I found it 
Well, the funny thing is, like, oh yeah, dad is dead. He's not coming yeah, back. The, he's, you know, kid's been notified. He's not coming back. Blah blah blah. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, dead is dead, except for that that one guy who the 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 red god, the fire god, whatever the hell his name is, brought back oh, yeah, over, yeah, over, yeah, over and over and the, over and over right. again. Well, I, you know, we're we're gonna talk about some of the foreshadowing and hints all, all along here in a second. Uh, but I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Like they've really gone out of their way. The showrunners, Benny Offen Weiss, and some of these other people, to make sure that we think John Snow. Think is the lady dead, doth protest which too also much. Also makes me more suspicious. I mean, honestly, say what? I think the lady doth protest too much. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> I was gonna say. I think that even if and, they like swore on their children that John Snow was dead and wasn't <laughs> returning, I would still believe one hundred percent that John Snow would be returning, or John X would and, be returning. And that's yeah. Right. That's it. So anyway, let's go ahead and put some of these uh, points together. And these have all been bandied about through YouTube videos, Reddit, subreddits, whatever, uh, various other websites. And I even saw some some writer for MTV put something out there about how John's eyes might turn purple at the final little bit really? of the scene. And I don't know if it's because I didn't watch it in HD, which I could. I just haven't done it yet. Uh, I don't remember seeing anything about his eyes turning purple. Did you guys see that? I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I- I rewatch it a couple times, and it just seems like like I've read people saying that you know when you die your eyes dilate, and that's all it was. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So. And they they haven't done the purple eye Targaryen thing in the show exactly. anyway, so I think it's uh, important. Yeah, I've heard the case. rumors that, uh, he's, anyway, uh, that we, he's secretly yeah, go ahead. You know, a Targaryen. I've heard those rumors. Uh, well, that's what we're going to talk about all here right. in a second, and we'll, we'll, let's let's back it up a little bit though. Uh, we have that. You, what you would mention with Beric Dondarrion and the Being uh, brought back to life over and over and over again, the Brotherhood without banners. You have this weird interact because this is not in the books. You have the crossing of paths between Melisandre and Thoros of Mer, who's the guy who resurrected Beric Dondarrion and was following him around and talking. They had this weird interaction about ra- having him having raised Beric Dondarrion from the dead and. In the books, we already know that Melisandre has done that. Have we, I mean, am I am I correct in this, Meacham? She isn't it her that raises Patchface from the dead? Uh, I'm not too sure. I know, like, okay. th- throw us a mirror. Like when they're, you know, when she's asking him how he did it, it's not like he was intending to bring him back or anything. It's just that he he like kissed his lips and he came back to life because uh, because uh, Relor wanted you know wanted him to come back to life. I don't think it was anything special okay. that Thoros did. So that that was one thing. Well, that, I don't know. In the books, it has this part where it basically just says that Melisandre resurrects Patchface, who was like a, somebody who had drowned on the shores, and then she resurrected him to be sort of like this playmate with Shireen. Anyway, uh, so you have this interaction that does not occur within the books to sort of establish that, and it, it was a really kind of far out there storyline to have them meet together like that. Uh, you know, I wasn't expecting it, and I think that was just the foreshadowing. They wouldn't have gone through such great lengths to establish the Red God raising people from the dead if it didn't bear significance. Yeah, agreed. Also, you have the uh, – I'm going to fast forward a little bit to that part where she's trying to seduce John, which Meech and I talked yeah. about in one of the the Casim Culturally Rock. And This will be a way for her to get her hooks it in. It almost seems more so now – that she was measuring John up. Like we, we already came to the conclusion that, yeah, she was just trying to seduce him to see what he would do to test him. But, uh, you know, it was definitely 
you know, that's part of those, it's one of those hints that says that Melisandre has more intended for Jon Snow. And of course, there are many hints throughout the Dance with Dragons as well. In fact, she just straight up in the book, she straight up warns Jon that some people are going to try to kill him and to watch out and to keep Ghost near. Uh, anyway, you also have that part. And this is one of the, those key points in the storytelling of the show. And that's what happens at the end of Hard Home when the Night's King is sitting there at the end of that dock at Hardhome and Jon Snow is sailing away after having just finally vanquished uh, a White Walker. He's the, only the second, you know, human being since Sam did it uh, in thousands of years. And you, you have this, you know, the meeting of the minds where you have this weird interaction between the Night's King and Jon Snow's character. Like, what if Jon were truly dead, that scene would have virtually no significance. Yeah. yeah. Like they, the, the director or the, you know, the showrunners, they set that scene on purpose. And the purpose is to tell us this is the bad guy. This is the good guy. Watch out for what's to come because you know, more is coming. Anyway, you also have the, uh, there, the, as far as like the theorizing thing, uh, as far as the Shireen sacrifice bit goes, nothing came of that. Sure. It got warm enough for Santa's to march to Winterfell, but like that was it. He didn't get any victory or whatever. And so it almost leaves you to believe like she planned does it. Melisandre's magic. Does it get charged? Like, yeah, a battery that's what I was thinking when she gets these King's blood sacrifices. Yeah. So Melisandre's battery is charged with magic and she's gone back to castle black to do well, something between the daughter and the mother like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if she planned the whole thing. Uh, it also says in the, in the book, how, her magic is more powerful at the wall because of the magic, you know, the magic of the wall sort of amplifies <laughs> things, which isn't the show. You don't really need it in the show, but you know, you have all of that coming together and culminating. And of course you have the warging thing, which they've abandoned for the most part for John in the show. You don't get any sense that John is able to warg into ghost in the show, but you definitely have the fact that, uh, it happens in the book. And in the book, Melisandre says she sees, Jon Snow's death and he's a man and then a wolf and then a man again. Uh, you, you remember this yeah. part, Meacham? So, like, I wonder how they're going to play that off in the show. Uh, is it going to be important? You know, Ghost is there. You know, he's close by. And he almost, we talk about the first scene of season six or when we do, do a season six flashback to his missing body or whatever the fuck it's going to be. Uh, like, I almost think, like, are we going to see his eyes turn white and working at that moment? You know, we do a flashback or whatever. Uh, but anyway, we also have the Eshor Ahai prophecies that are playing fairly. I mean, they fit Daenerys very, very well, but they're also several, there's so much that would signify with Jon Snow as well. And, uh, you know, he's a sort of, that's, that's the arc of this. Jon Snow is very much a messianic figure. Uh, in one video I'd sent to like, I don't know, both you guys, at least one of you guys, uh, I said how like, you know, Jon Snow is basically Game of Thrones version of Jesus. <laughs> he's coming, he's rising from the dead to come back to save humanity. And he's, he's a cool guy and everybody likes him. And he says sorts of, you know, cool things uh, like Jesus was said to have done. Anyway, uh, you also have uh, the Melisandres playing, praying for, and this is in the book as well, praying for a glimpse of Azhora High and all she sees in her fire is snow. And in the book, snow is capitalized. Ah. 
Interesting. So it's not just like, hey, I see snow, lowercase, and flurries and blizzards. It's like snow. Uh, it's just the, the S is capitalized. That would be a really huge editorial fuck-up if somebody had left the capital letter where it didn't belong. So it's capitalized for a reason. So it sounds promising. Sounds very promising. I think it leads uh, us to yeah, believe and- that... When it says snow with a capital S, it doesn't necessarily mean John Snow. It just means a bastard. It, and so I'm thinking that. Oh my God! What if Ramsey yes, Snow is Ramsey Azor Snow is Azor Oh fuck, guys! <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's hope that's not the case. Anyway, uh, so some of the actors have also said things like Amelia Clark has apparently come out and said it's a fifty-fifty chance. That's only in the last week or so. Clarice Van Houten, who plays Melisandre, has said some things indicative of Jon Snow's return. And so even though it's the age of the internet, and I think the showrunners, the actors, well, Kit Harrington anyway, have all gone out of their way to sort of keep this under wraps. Uh, we also have like a signing, uh, sighting of Kit Harrington in Belfast recently, which could be for filming as Jon Snow, of course. That's well, they, they definitely are filming already anyway. because they, yeah, they yeah, announced when yeah. the, the, the Comic Con, uh, panel is going to be on the, you know, at San Diego or whatever. And, right. And Benioff and Weiss and Harrington are all conspicuously exactly. absent from this panel. So, I'm not, like, I have no doubts whatsoever. Like, none. Zero. That Jon Snow. He's dead. I get it. It's his death because he's such an honorable guy that he wouldn't just abandon his Night's Watch because that's the oath. But you know what? Motherfucker, you died. You're released from that. You go do what you need to yes. do now. Uh, so, yeah, he needs to have been killed in that regard. And I think it's it's 100%. I'm, I'm putting it right there, man. I, I'm not even putting it any less than 100% that Jon Snow coming back. So, do you think uh, Jon Snow's going to kill Melisandre? Ooh, that's a good question. Jeff, have you heard this theory out there? No, I have not. Okay. So, it all has to do with the prophecy of Azor Ahai, which, of course, is equated with the prince that that is promised and a couple of these other messianic prophecies throughout the Game of Thrones series. But it talks about how Azor Ahai would have to be reborn, and that it's sort of alluding to a death and a resurrection, uh, Jesus-like, and that he was go- he's going to have the sword called Lightbringer, and there have been various theories about what that sword might entail, and various theories about uh, even Longclaw not really be- belonging to the Mormont family, but being an, a more ancient sword with a new hilt, which could very well be. But anyway, the theory out there is that when once Jon Snow is resurrected, uh, and of course only death can pay for life, so a lot of people are saying that Shireen's death was actually for Jon Snow. That's one of the ideas. And if George Martin has recently said that Shireen was going to get you know be killed anyway, uh, that could very well jibe with that. And as far as the books go, but anyway, that Jon Snow and his sense of justice. He's going to be resurrected and Melisandre will be executed for murder by Jon Snow's own hand. And of course, with her being a sorceress of the Red God, the slaying of Melisandre is going to imbue what we now think of as Longclaw with a new power and become the sword Lightbringer, which is part of the prophecy. Sounds interesting. I haven't no, I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, it. It sounds very interesting. I'm not sure if I like it. I think it's a little too tidy and neat. But damn, it's a cool idea. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pre- it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Anyway, uh, the, and you know, I, <laughs> the resurrection, uh, resurrection, 
resurrection thing um, could have been, you know, uh, uh, Daenerys in the funeral pyre. Right. Oh, yeah, and, that's and, true, And too, there's also a theory because... that that same kind of situation, uh, like Daenerys was in the fire and she came and she walked out fine. Um, there are people who think that the, you know, one of the scenes in episode one or episode two of uh, season six will be Jon Snow uh, being burned. And after and, when the uh, fire, yeah, just walking out of the fire when it's done. Yeah. That could very well be, but I think the the insertion of Melisandre back at Castle Black is, is a little. It's too very telling. To yeah, it's very telling. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, anyway, it's. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm 100. percent Meacham has just said he's 100 percent about John John's return. I mean, it's just logic, people. It's it's where the storytelling is going, and he might not be exactly who we say, but I have no doubts whatsoever that. John Snow, Kit Harrington will be returning to the show. Will it happen next season? I really do think it's going to happen next season. It might not happen in episode one, two, or three, but I'm predicting by episode four, episode five, you will see John Snow back with a little bit of a, a feeling about what he's been doing since resurrection. I'm just like climate scientists. I'm 97% sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Uh, okay. Okay. All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap up the big dig. Thanks to Meacham for stepping in where Jimmers was not quite as up to speed as some of you. Yes, thank you. I'm, thank I'm, you, Meacham. Uh, so thank you for that. I appreciate you. you guys having me on. Uh, thank- <laughs> nice to meet you. We'll, we'll have to pick up uh, nice season well, six cast from Culturally Rock a little more consistently. <laughs> uh, there should be lots of talking about, lots of rumors to explore in the next few months anyway. All right, so that's it, guys. Buchacha is out. Just out. Meet him out. And who are you? The proud Lord said that I must bow so low. Only a cat of a different coat that's all the truth I know In a coat of gold or a coat of red A lion still has claws And mine are long and sharp, my lord As long and sharp as yours And so we spoke so he spoke that Lord of Castamere. But now the rains we bore his home with no one there to hear. Yes, now the rains we bore his home and now shanking commence oh shit hello Hello. Buchanan you guys still there I don't know what the fuck my phone just did it called myself (laughs) so like I was getting a phone call from myself like this possessed or something it's like coherence like I called myself and put you guys on hold and I don't even know how the fuck I did it because it's just like sitting on my it's like coherence anyway all right uh, it is a little bit. My phone just cracked. Oh my god. Okay. I hate to edit this. Uh, go Wait, what? I said I really what? hate to edit this. <sighs> I've had worse. Trust me. Uh, uh, he's had worse. This, it won't be that um, bad. Anyway, 